You're listening to a 1FM podcast. Welcome to the post-grand final show of the opening bounce for season 2023. Mark Owens by himself at this stage. No Sydney to Bridge Asplin. And we'll contact Jason Asplin a little later after 6 o'clock this evening as he's up north uh, through the course of the week playing in his, of course, overage Super Rules football. So we might have a bit of a chat to him about that as well. Thanking Joe Madigan for filling in for Ralph Whitehead across the course of the last two and a half hours. And you can always hear Joe on a Monday as well from around midday onwards for Joe Manigan. Does a great job here at 1FM 98.5 live and local. And I hope she drives safely home back to, uh, of course, a little hamlet just outside of Banana, uh, Banella, I should say, Banana, Banella, Banella. Uh, of course, Banagiddy, I'm trying to say, for Joe Madigan there. Congratulations to Joe on a great show this afternoon. Well, like I said, no Sydney to Bridge Asplin at this point in juncture. Thought I'd played both songs. I thought they both deserved it. Usually the tradition is in, of course, the post-grand final show that we play the premiership song. But, gee, it was a grand final for the ages, wasn't it? Uh, Collingwood taking on Brisbane. Of course, we all know now that Collingwood, 12-18-90, defeated Brisbane, 13-8-86. What did you think of it all? Did you love Kiss? Did you, the halftime entertainment with uh, Mark Seymour, which I must admit I still haven't seen. I was that wound up at halftime. I didn't even look at it. So I'll have to have a look at it. I know there's been the good, the bad, the ugly around that. Kiss has pretty much got a big tick, haven't they, from New York. And the game itself, well, what a magic game it was with Collingwood, of course, winning by four points in the end. Jason Welch last week, I listened back to... Of course, the podcast, which you can do if you didn't catch last week's show, he actually tipped Collingwood by three points. And I believe that's probably the closest anyone's ever got to tipping the grand final winner and the margin. Of course, Collingwood winning by four, like I said. Well, let's have a look at the game itself. Collingwood, 4-4-28 at quarter time. The Brisbane's three straight 18. So 4-4 in the first term to three goals. 9-9-63 at halftime, Collingwood to Brisbane's 9-3-57. So Collingwood led by a goal at halftime. 10-15-75, 
to 11.571, Collingwood's way in the third quarter. And in the final quarter, Collingwood, 12.18.90 to Brisbane's 13.8.86. So in that second half, there are after half time, Collingwood kicked three goals, nine to Brisbane's four goals, five after half time there. The, of course, the major goal kickers for Collingwood were Bobby Hill with four goals too, and he picked up the Norm Smith medal as well. What a performance by Bobby Hill. I think he was triple figures, by the way, gamble responsibly to win the Norm Smith as well. Jordan Degoe, two straight goals, and Jack Chris with two goals, one. Vital goals at critical stages as well for Jack Chris as uh, Degoe, as in a grand final for Hill as well. And for Brisbane... I thought Joe Danaher really stepped up on the big stage. And I think he's been having a cracking last couple of seasons at Brisbane. He's really found his niche now. Joe Danaher with three goals, one on the afternoon. The ever-dangerous small forward in Charlie Cameron with three goals straight. Hugh McCluggage with two goals. Link McCarthy with two goals. And Zach Bailey with two goals, one. Uh, Of course, Link McCarthy got a behind as well. But two of the best goals you would ever see. And probably one of them... I would nearly dare say his goal of the year. Uh, of course, I know we had the goal of the year on Brownlow Medal Night, but I wonder if we should have a goal and a mark of the year around that Bobby Hill mark, of course, with uh, maybe a finals goal uh, for the finals and a mark for the finals, some sort of award there as well. We'll have a look at your major disposal winners for Collingwood. Nick Dacos, he kicked one goal one. Of course, the first goal of the game, 29 disposals. Uh, Meters gained 444 for Nick Dacos. Jack Crisp with the two goals, one, like I said a little earlier. 25 disposals, seven marks, 456 metres gained. Scott Penderbury, he was absolutely fantastic, of course, with that one goal, 24 disposals and five marks, six clearances for Scott Pendlebury as well. Tom Mitchell, he didn't kick a goal, but he had 24 disposals and 13 tackles for Tom Mitchell. And Jeremy Howe, defensively was really good with, of course, 591 metres gained and 24 disposals, nine marks for Jeremy Howe as well. Well, Keaton Coleman off that half-back line for Brisbane, he was sensational, wasn't he? Eight marks, six tackles, metres gained, 761, more than any more person on the ground. And defensively, 26 disposals for Keaton Coleman. Lockie Neal with 1.21 disposals, in that midfield. Hugh Pluggage on the wing with 21 disposals and two goals. Josh Dunkley with 21 disposals. And Ryan Lester defensively, I thought, was really good. Six marks and 18 disposals. As I welcome, of course, Sydney, the bridge, Asplin to the microphone. He's just wandered in some uh, seven minutes late from half five, as the English like to say. So we'll have to dock Sydney some seven minutes. But how you going, Sidwardo? I'm good, good. I've been... Jason's away, as you know. Yeah. And I've got the phone. I got stuck on a phone call and looked up and thought, oh, but I got the job in the diary and that's what matters. So Jason TV stays alive. Stays alive, does it? Yeah. Beautiful one. I believe Jason himself might be driving back from Queensland currently or he's driving around Queensland or something? he's driving around. As people may know, he's playing... Aussie rules up there. Yeah, super rules, all, yep. you know, over age 40. Over 45s, yep. yes, and they won their first two games and playing the grand final on the weekend. Um, so they're pretty excited. And the first game, he kicked the first goal of the tournament, so he was pretty over the moon with himself. 
over that. And uh, So he's yeah. been nicknamed Nick Dacos now. He <laughs> kicked the first goal of the grand final. Uh, he's been, I think he's getting more like side bottom with that bald head. It's <laughs> <laughs> really noticeable. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, so he's he doesn't fly back until mid next week. Yeah, right, okay. So I was just wondering there, because he's pushed back the phone call to 6 o'clock this evening. What we might do, Sydney, I might allow you to catch your breath for a minute. So we'll go to a sponsor's break. We'll come out the other side. Thanking BP, of course, the service road, North MVP with Pat and Tina and all the crew out there, of course, Joey DeConza as well, for sponsoring the show throughout the season 2023 here on the opening bounce. We'll go to a sponsor's break. Come out the other side. We'll be back really, really soon. Pat and Tina's BP service station, North Shepparton, has been serving people living in and visiting our region for now more than 50 years. There's no other place you can still experience driveway service delivered with a smile the old-fashioned way. Supplier of BP Ultimate Fuels, they will wash your windows, check under your bonnet, and even do your tyres while you wait. Next time you're filling up, do it at Pat and Tina's BP service station. GB Highway, North Shepparton. One FM sponsor. Oh, of course, that is the opening couple of bars to I Was Made For Loving You by Kiss, who rocked the MCG last Saturday, of course, before the grand final, off the album Dynasty from the late 70s as well for New York group Kiss. As I welcome back Sydney the Bridge Asplund. We'll be speaking to Jason Asplund after 6 o'clock this evening. Well, Sydney, first off, I'm going to ask you the question... Before we get to the grand final itself, did you like the pre-match entertainment? Did you like uh, aspects of uh, what was done before the match? Yeah. Look, I, I, to be frank and honest, I really dislike the emphasis that's put on the pre-entertainment. I, I just don't think it adds, adds anything much to it. It's Rarely are they great. Rarely are they even good. I think they rocked it. They're Kiss. okay. I, yeah. think, I think you're but right. I, so not I only think that, you're I don't, I don't usually listen to that. I, I, I usually find something to do. Come in two minutes before the game, just in time to hear the national anthem, start there, and then sit down, relax, and enjoy it. I don't like the lead-up to it. I, I say my... I'm a ra- I love listening to radio, and often the talk leading into a game goes around and around in circles and doesn't tell you anything. So, um, yeah, but it was okay. I, I, I would still like to see the longest kick on the day. The sprint was there. I see a bit of that. Yeah, that was in the morning, though, yeah, wasn't yeah, it? I used only, to like it at half time. Exactly, and it was only six or eight, pl- uh, eight runners in it. What happened to the other half of the clubs? Didn't they bother putting anyone in? Um, the Geelong Fallery won it easy by a street. That was good. Like the pre entertainment is part of the build up, I know, but it's just not my thing. So, what are your thoughts? Collingwood by four points in the end. Deserved winners, Collingwood. Better side on the day. Yes, I think so. Yes, I, I think it. The score line flattered Brisbane a little. I think. Yeah, thirty shots to twenty-one. Yeah, um, Collingwood missed a few. There was a few of those were tapped through on whatever else. But the thing is, I just felt all bar 15 or 20 minutes in that second quarter when Brisbane got a few goals in a row, I felt the rest of the day Collingwood controlled it. It did at certain points look like, you know, we could have a collywobble fall in there again, but they were stronger mentally as well. The the big thing about the game were moments. I, I honestly... It was a good grand final. It was a great grand final. But I far more enjoyed the week before, the plumery final with a 
Collingwood and the Giants. You've been around for a long time, right? You've seen heaps of grand finals, and so have I, with all due respect. Is it the best ever, like they're saying? Or is that a hyperbole? I think that's just the current one. That's the best for the last few years. I think the St Kilda, Collingwood, the Geelong St Kilda Grand Finals, they were awesome good days. Look, we, we, you have, over the years there's been some fantastic ones. The only problem we have on Grand Final Day is often we have a washout, a wipeout, and lately we've had quite a few of those. And as a consequence, this is the best one we've had for a long time. And there, there, I'm not sure what was missing about it. Maybe the... the you go back, have a look at the crowd noise and whatever. It's not a true football crowd at a grand final. Okay, you've got 30-odd thousand from each between the clubs. The rest are all sold to corporates or people that go for the one-day episode. Whereas if you go back to that preliminary final, the crowd was... It was the, the place was rocking. Yeah, but it was Absolutely. all one way, though, pretty much in the Collingwood GWS crowd-wise. Pretty much, yes, but it was still a, it was still a football crowd. Whereas the grand final isn't a football crowd, so you you go back and if I looked at it again last night. I watched the game again last night in preparation for tonight, and the crowd really didn't come get involved. It, it wasn't decisive in any one way or, or the other. It wasn't a roar. It was just didn't have that same atmosphere. I'll put it down to the fact that so many of them are not true football fanatics. Uh, going on that was a good grand. Final. It was a great grand final. In fact, the the moments in it were superb uh, like if you look at I, I there's been some talk about the um norm smith medalist what was your thought on the norm smith medalist no thoroughly deserved and earned i thought i mean kicking four goals in a grand final i think it might have even been a career high as well yes. for bobby hill he had 18 disposals as well on top of that but it was his Defensive pressure acts as well yes. to keep that ball inside forward 50. The and that's, tackle out on the flank and, was superb. And that's what I, I saw to where Brisbane, who are usually very good in that regard with their inside forward 50 pressure, that went a little bit missing for Brisbane on the day. Yeah, I think you're right. I thought he was a, a, I would have picked him as mine. I, 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 he just didn't finish the game off as well as he may have. Um, you know, I, I don't think that. He he. Um, his second half was as good as his first. He missed a couple of shots that he should have got, little things like that. But he was he was superb. But I think I think to be fair to Bobby Hill in that second half, the game had closed down a fair bit as well. So it was a bit of a shoot shootout for the first half, and then in that second half there, where well after half time, Collingwood kicked three goals nine to Brisbane's four goals, five. So there were seven goals in the second half and there were 18 goals in the first half. Yeah. yeah. So it, it became a condensed, closed-in kind of game where it was really open in that first half. And I thought Bobby Hill adjusted to play defensively forward really, really well. And that kick to Pendlebury... Was terrific. ...was just elite. Yeah, I agree. I thought Dugowie's game was outstanding. In, in As far as stats and that go, Dugowie was best on ground couple of goals, you know, he had quite a, possessions and, you know, those sort of things. I thought he was very good. Elliot didn't do a lot. Cox was good in the ruck but didn't do much else. A couple of marks, that was about all. McCreary, yeah, he could have done a bit more. Frampton was the worst player on the ground. But he, I thought, for three quarters kept um, the Harris, big, Andrews. Harris Andrews to, to a, being just another player on the ground. Harris Andrews had a great last quarter. Yeah, he Nine did. possessions yep. in the last quarter. Yep. 
Frampton only had one behind, one kick, one handball. But that wasn't his role. That wasn't his role, exactly. So he wasn't the worst player on the field. I, I thought he was actually not too bad. The worst player on the field, I, I think they um, came to uh, Hipwood. Had very little influences. One handball, six kicks. Um, you know, like he didn't... One point, I mean, six kicks, four handballs. He was probably the worst player on the field. There was others that I thought Trips was ter- Trisp was terrific. Absolutely outstanding. Uh, his game, Penderbury was awesome. He's not, he, isn't he a good player, Penderbury, for all these Great years? Great player. What is he, 385 games, something like that? Yeah, something like that. Yep. I thought Side Bottom's game was very good. What that, about that what goal? That goal I, did, I didn't the think, moments, one I of the did moments. not think he had that in. I to be quite honest, well, I wasn't sure he did either. He, that uh, the first quarter goal was very good from Crisp. Was it no Dugowie got the first one at the uh, at the siren? Oh, that was a clutch goal. Side bottoms one at the end was a clutch goal. Now another person I want to talk about, who I thought was outstanding on the day, was for Brisbane. Uh, where is he? Got my list here. Danaher. I thought it was one of the best games I've seen Dan Hur play. I, I thought so too, Sydney. I said, as I don't know if you heard me coming no, in. I didn't know. Well, well I, I, I said that I felt that he has really stepped up for Brisbane because at Essendon, his career seemed to be in the balance and going nowhere. Yep. And he's just, he's a different player at Brisbane now. And to have the presence of mind late to snap that, that goal, goal, knowing there wasn't a lot of time on the clock yep. as well and nail it, really showed me where he's at mentally, Danaher now. And the other, like he missed one earlier there. But the old Danaher would have dropped the head with that. Exactly, yeah, that's right. But he didn't, he cursed himself. You could see him say, I'll get the next one, you know. I I, I thought he was outstanding. He was the best forward on the day, a big forward on the day, without a doubt in my mind. I thought the Ruckman for them was pretty good. He lost the Ruck tap-outs in the end at McInerney, but he stood up all day. I thought he did a pretty fair job. I was pretty happy with him. Zach Bailey's couple of goals were terrific. Those first in that first. Now bit. you didn't you didn't hear me coming in just on that Bailey goal and the Bobby Hill mark. Did we actually see mark and goal at a year in the grand final up against what was awarded on Brownlow Medal Night? No, no, I don't think so. I thought the goal of the year for Ashcroft was pretty good. There was another dozen as good as Ashcroft's, and I don't think his goal was as good as those. Mark of the day. It was definitely mark of the day because um, he was right up on his shoulders. It was a terrific mark. Mark of the finals? I think the mark of the finals. I reckon it was an awesome mark. And at a, at a critical stage of the game, I, I thought it was awesome. And on that alone, it just keeps him right up there in that Norm Smith medal. Uh, Rayner didn't do much. McKenna didn't do much. Uh, Charlie Cameron was pretty good. Kicking his three goals, two and two when it really mattered and one late. It was a very good goal, the late one as well. Again, sharp as, as he was. Kitty Coleman, he had a good game, didn't he? He was. Uh, I think he got second. If they it? win, I reckon he's nearly the Coleman medalist. Close. If, if they yeah. win. Oh, yeah. sorry, not the Coleman medalist, the, the, the Norm Smith medalist. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought he had a terrific game. Like at half time, he'd gained five, six hundred metres by half time. And that's a lot. Yeah, he but, ended up with um, 700 odd for the match. Yeah. And In did, fact, uh, 761. Yeah, that's that's terrific off of a guy. Uh, going back to Collingwood, I thought Quainer's game was pretty good. O- on, off that half-back line, great run, what, that that part. Uh, um, Dacos, 
Nick Dacos, what were your thoughts on his game? Well, I thought he was okay and he was great in clutch moments. And, look, he probably didn't have... I think we can mark a really young player in Nick Dacos really harshly in the sense that we feel that his benchmark or his watermark is like 35 disposals a game. He got 29 29, disposals. He kicked the first goal of the game to settle things down for Collingwood. And that that flick handball late to Dugowie, Mm-hmm. I mean, that was just, I mean, you can't coach that. You can't, no, no. You, you, you're just born with that. that and a couple and, of those kicks in field, I thought were terrific. And, yeah. and just, I think we forget with Nick Dacos, he's not even 21 yet. <laughs> we just forget that. That's and right. the poise he, sh- now, I know when I was 20, if I was thrusted into that situation of a grand final, I reckon I'd go missing. I, I reckon I'd be just too overwhelmed. But he just looked like he yeah. was having a, a Saturday stroll under the under yep. the sun of the yep. MCG. I, I thought he was, I thought he stood up very nicely. I, I didn't have a problem with his game at all. I di- I don't think it was up to Norm Smith level. It wasn't in the in the top five or six in my mind. But he was a good solid performer. A, a, a very good. What do you think of Markov's game? I thought it was good. I thought he gave some good run, a couple of terrific tackles. Yeah, I thought he was that good. tackle he did there you know, on the wing, he came in. They were Brisbane away there and he held it up. I, I thought that was awesome. I, I reckon he was pretty good, yes. Ginnivan didn't seem to do a lot. Murphy was a loss. And that adds to Collingwood's win. Like, Murphy, when he went off, he'd already had four possessions. He went off at the four, what was it, six-minute mark or something that in the first quarter? Mm-hmm. He'd already mm-hmm. had four possessions by then. He was a loss to them, and they were able to cover that. But that adds m- more credit to the game for Collingwood. There. Um, Maynard, solid, nothing special. One I really was impressed with was Mitchell. Yeah, I, he was outstanding. I legal. thought he was outstanding. I could have given him Norm Smith myself. I thought at the bottom of the pack he did some wonderful little things, re- Libba-like. Just almost as good as Libertore was. I thought it was the best game I've seen him ever play. Outstanding pickup. Has to be the pickup of the year going on what he did on grand final day. Plenty of others have, you know, had good seasons and whatever. But on the day it mattered, Mitchell stood up. Well done to him. How was good. How, I thought I Howell. thought he was outstanding. Yep. I thought he was the best defender. I did too. Uh, one of the, the Collingwood. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Moore was probably one of his worst games. He um, didn't take... I don't think he took a defensive mark. He uh, only had four kicks for the day and three handballs. Uh, you know, that's it was a poor day for him. And I don't think he was playing on Dacos. Not, um, not Dacos. On Danaher. And Danaher... Yeah, he was on Danaher. Yeah, yeah. Danaher took him for a ride. So... He'll be a little disappointed in that fact of his game. But, you know, just a couple more over I'd like to talk about in Brisbane. Um, Starchevich, he got beaten by Bobby Hill, convincingly. Oh, no, I, I actually disagree with that. He went to Bobby Hill, I think, after the fourth goal. Oh, all right. Yeah, so I think you're being a bit harsh there. Now, look, I might have this wrong, but I think Connor McKenna might have been on him early. Well, whoever was got a but bath. Star- Starcevich went to him. He still got beaten easily a couple of times. Yeah, he a couple one, of times. He took there, one good mark. The only thing he did on him was one good mark in that last quarter. Yeah, I, I think I think that Starcevich, who by the way is um, the son of a, a premiership player, player at Collingwood as he well, is, yeah. um, 
of course, 1990, which, by the way, is the uh, 33rd anniversary of that grand final today. Of is course, really? October 6th and uh, 33 years ago, they'd have been celebrating Collingwood, that well, 14 premiership. We went. We were picking onions at Gatton at the time. At we Gatton? At Gatton. And Gatton we Rouge. Yep. And we went into the pub for the day to watch and Collingwood got up. It was a good game. Yep. Uh, the other one I, I thought was very good for the Brisbane was McCluggage. I thought he had a good game, a couple of goals. Dunkley was very solid. <sighs> Some people reckon he, he, he was, you know, best on ground, but I, I don't think he was best even for them. Lockie Neal wasn't at his best, beaten well early, but he came back into the game as the game wore on, so he was okay. Zorko did his same, in and out a bit. Ages almost got him. He was, he was okay. Lyons came on late, didn't do anything. Uh Brisbane played a team game. I thought I didn't, they weren't disgraced in any way, shape, or form. Brisbane, but they just didn't quite have. They, they seemed to didn't. It was weird. Brisbane. They had big moments, like you talked about moments. They seemed to take opportunities, but then sometimes their synergy between back and forward just didn't seem to be there. Like they seemed to not be able to get repeat forward entries. Yeah. Whereas Collingwood seemed to get repeat entry after entry. That's not usually Brisbane. And Brisbane, like I said a little earlier, have got – their forwards are so defensive as well, and they lock it in forward 50. I just felt at times Collingwood just sort of walk it out at will at times. Mm-hmm. And, and they never took a mark in their forward ha- forward line in the first half. Like, with all those big fellas down there, Dana had to come up the field Yeah, 12 to, to 5 marks. marks inside 50. For the day. Yeah, to Collingwood. So – to take five marks in a grand final, like you said, they were probably all after half time. Yep. For that forward line, is not which much. is probably, I mean, arguably the best in the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I think it come down to a couple of things. Playing at the MCG, I, I thought, affected Brisbane's mindset. Like, we have to do this. We have to play outside. We have to do certain things they were trying to stick to and didn't quite have the spontaneity that you needed. Collingwood were able to bring their balls into the midfield and then drive it forward. That was an advantage they had. The other thing, I think it was the big stage might have got a bit to Brisbane. I, I just don't think... I, I don't know about that, Sydney. I, I, look, you're talking about less than a goal in a grand final. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. If, I, I, can, I can sort of concede to you that maybe the MCG and tactically how they played it was a little bit of a concern... For them, and it sort of you can sort of see the pattern of the match that it sort of trended that way. Yeah, but I, I don't think the occasion overawed them. I, I I couldn't say that that was the case. I just think on the on their style of play is what I mean. They didn't play their normal style of play. They were trying to play the game on that oval, which. W- and, and a lot of the times they did things that they wouldn't do on at the Brisbane. If they were playing that game at Brisbane, they would have done things a lot differently. They would have played far more through the midfield. They wouldn't have been as defensive in their mindset. But I, I think that they still did well. I, like, there's no disgrace there. But I think the scoreboard flattered them a little bit. Talk to me about the like the probably the two big incidences that come out of it. Uh, Lockie Neal late was legged by Ollie Markov and Zach Bailey was paid advantage. What were your thoughts on that? There's been a lot of commentary around it. And there should have been. It was absolutely wrong. Like, it was okay for the umpire to call advantage, 
But when the advantage fizzled away and didn't turn out, or he should have called that back and said no advantage and given them the kick. Big, crucial moment of the game. And I think that was a mistake on the umpire's part because Brisbane didn't have a hope of realising they had the advantage and it was a snap happened before it, it or whatever and it wasn't to their advantage. So it should have been called back. Is it the umpire's responsibility though? I mean, if the kick's in a forward motion... Is it the umpire's responsibility to say he's paid the advantage, it's gone forward? Is it then the umpire's responsibility to say no advantage, Joe? Yes. Well, well, you see it all the time. Through the year, you've seen it 20 times through the year. No advantage didn't happen, we'll bring it back to here. And that's the right thing to do. You know, you like to, the idea of the advantage But the rule, the rule itself doesn't say anything about it actually being ad, adventurous. No, that's true. But it, when it happened in that split second, there was no, like the, the free was paid, he handed the ball off and the ball was grabbed and kicked immediately because he was under pressure. In my mind, that's not an advantage. So if it didn't, get, if it worked out okay, fine, but it didn't and it should have been called back. And the other big one was Ollie Markov and the stand rule. And he was obviously going backwards at the time. Well, no, he wasn't. I looked at that closely. He, he was, Sydney. He, he stood. He was going in a backward motion. No, listen, he stood. The umpire called stand. He wanted to go back, but he hadn't moved when the umpire called stand. Once the umpire called stand, you can't go back. You can't move once he's called stand. If you want to be five metres out, that's fine, but you have to get gone before he calls stand. Yeah, he was in a backward motion, though. He wasn't moving forward. No, he wasn't moving forward because he was on the mark, and that's why the umpire called stand. So once the umpire's called stand, you can't move. Yeah, I can't have that. I just think he got it wrong, the umpire. That, oh. was, not, that was not right. No, I, I support the umpire there. He, once he called stand, he... he well, well, I actually support the umpire on the advantage rule as well. Well, see, I don't there. Well, I do. Hmm. Because he's kicked it forward and there's no obligation for the umpire to determine whether it's advantage or not. And you might see it in games of footy, but it doesn't mean they have to apply no, that it, either. It, it, it still, it was the right thing to do at that point of time, I think. Yeah, well, you could argue uh, that. Another too. couple of incidents well, the right came thing out. To do, well, the, the right thing to do if a player's going backwards from the mark is not the call stand See, I, If you look at that and go watch it closely, he's not going backwards before the stand is called. He is. No, disagree. Anyway, that's what happened. Now, another thing was, what about the Murphy getting cleaned up? Yeah, well, look, you know... Did he get suspended for that? No, nah, look... Well, he should have. I, I believe there's football incidences. But see, I don't... If you look I, I at was that, happy with he, that. I wasn't. He, he turned his shoulder into him. He didn't... That's not a protecting yourself. He gave the ball up and turned his shoulder into Murphy, cleaned him up and dropped him like a stone. He should have been suspended for that. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'd, so I'd have to read another one. That, but Cox I, I, got a fine for his, and I think Cox was was a football incident. Yeah, I, I, I sort of I sort of think that that might have been a football incident at the time. Yeah. Even when I saw that, well, you think of the carry on with Maynard. Maynard was in the air when he touched the ball as a smother. Sure, he came down and knocked the guy out. But you think of the carry on that went over that, and this guy's knocked Murphy out in a grand final by twisting and hitting him with his shoulder and the chin, and gets off it for nothing. Where's the consistency in that? 
There's yeah, no I, consistency stats. I felt there was it was a sort of it was just an accident. Well, I, I don't because it, they, yeah, sure they were coming at each other, going at the ball. Neither had the ball, but just before the incident, if you watch, he turns that shoulder and clips him with the shoulder. Now, if he'd have just hit him front on, Murphy wouldn't have been injured, neither would he. But he did. He turned that shoulder at the last bit. If you look at that under close examination, that's a suspendable incident. Knocked him out, put him out of the grand final. You can easily say, no, oh, well, that's an incident. But they're going to change that rule next year. It's going to be a Maynard rule come in. A Maynard rule come that's in. That's what it'll be. And we'll talk to you a little bit later because obviously we've got a new CEO and we'll talk about what the AFL might look like under, of course, Andrew Dillon in 2024. But we'll talk about that a little later. Okay, what we might do, Sydney, is go to a sponsors break, come out the other side and see if we can get Jason Asplund on the line. Pat and Tina's BP service station, North Shepparton, has been serving people living in and visiting our region for now more than 50 years. There's no other place you can still experience driveway service delivered with a smile, the old-fashioned way. Supplier of BP Ultimate Fuels, they will wash your windows, check under your bonnet, and even do your tyres while you wait. Next time you're filling up, do it at Pat and Tina's BP service station. GV Highway, North Shepparton. One of them sponsor. Oh, yeah, they certainly rock the MCG. Of course, New York band Kiss with, of course, rock and roll all night. Off that uh, album from the 70s, Dressed to Kill from the mid-70s. What a great group they were, and they rocked the G as we bring... Jason Asplin, live from the north uh, part of Australia in Queensland there. Jason, have we got you on the line? Yes, we do. Yes, how you doing, Mark? Yeah, I'm great, Jason. And, of course, I believe they're calling you Nick Dacos now because you kicked the first goal of the tournament. And Dacos, of course, kicked the first goal of the grand final. I don't know about calling me Nick Dacos, but they call me lots of things. But, yeah, I did I did manage to get on the end of the first one. So my first kick was the country was a... Happened their goal, which was pretty pretty good with a, a nice breeze and a, a little tap ball come into me from the feet near the pocket and the wind just happened to carry my messed up kick all the way through for goal. And we've got Sydney here and uh, he certainly wants to talk to you about the grand final on the weekend. How you doing, Bridges? Good, mate, yourself? I'm good. Yep, yep, you're in the grand final on the weekend. What day is that on? Uh, tomorrow at 9.20, so 10.20 your time. Uh, we've got to take on WA. WA and, uh, that ended up, okay. Yeah, WA. It's a, it's a mixed team, WA and ACT by the look of it. And, yeah, we've got to play them in the grand final on on yeah, tomorrow morning. So, and who uh, would be favourite? Uh, look, it's pretty close. To the, uh, the, the issue is we've got a, a full forward from Melbourne who kicked uh, seven, I think, in the first game and four or five in the next. And they took his knees out in the, one of those, you know, it shouldn't happen things. And he's done a join, so we don't know if he's going to be be up for the game or not, which will leave a little bit of a hole. He's got my hand like Stewie Lowe was the best way to describe it. Was he was marking game, the ball. It, it just went towards him, and bang, he had it every time. And straight too. And he's played played two games. He was playing the over fifties as well, so we kicked like sixteen goals on the first day of the carnival between the two games. Okay, so, so we're uh, talking about the AFL Grand Final, of course. What were your thoughts on the, of the day? What a game. It was exactly what we were hoping for, well, minus the fact Collingwood won, I suppose. <laughs> but that's what we wanted was a close game of football that was down to the wire. Who wanted it most? Put your body on the line and do your best for your team. And 
and we saw that. Uh, I, I think look, if Collingwood had kicked straight, then the game would have been well and truly done and dusted at, at quarter time or half time. But the, there was a lot of pressure on a lot of those kicks coming in, and you got your credit to Brisbane for nebbing up there. Even at the end, when they Danaher got that last goal and only a few points down, and there was still time for them to snatch a victory. But to credit to the Pies, they they got done. They they probably were the best team all year, and they got the got the chocolates. I, I thought the the game was about moments, big moments, big goals at the end of quarters. Um, you know, this type of thing. I thought it was a terrific game for that outstanding individual performances. And if you look at that, that big goals in quarters, you got uh, Dugowie in the first quarter. Who was it for Collingwood to kick this one in the second Chris. quarter? Right, Chris on that. And then the third quarter, Bruce by miss. Yeah, yeah. Had true, a shot true. on the siren. And in the end, that, yeah. that one kick was, was the difference there. So, might have been McCarthy, yes. Now, he did kick a magnificent goal earlier in the, the that quarter where he stepped around four or five and, and snapped the goal. So, But Conwood took their opportunities in those big moments and Brisbane did drop that one. So it was, it was poor kicking by Conwood, but at the same time, they they won the ball out of the middle, give themselves the opportunities. And uh, that's at the end of the day, you have that many shots at goal, you, you generally do come out on top. Yes. The only, the only good thing about all of this is Collingwood fans are going crazy. I'm here in Queensland, so there is none. <laughs> Jason, had I haven't had to listen to any of them. Jason, I put the question to Sydney a little earlier. Now, is that the best grand final you've ever seen, or have you seen better? Look, the best grand final I, I reckon I've seen was the St Kilda Collingwood draw. The, I, honestly, that one was, as far as a, a game, you can't ask for anything more to be split down the middle than that. But in recent years, definitely. You know, we saw last year Sydney didn't show up at all. We've seen even back a couple of years back when Melbourne won and it was halfway through the third quarter and all of a sudden, bang, the game was blown out and it was done. This game came down to the wire. So I think it's it's what the fans wanted. Well, it was a bit of a symmetry with the season, wasn't it? Because no one really knew. And Collingwood, I suppose, were favourites for most of the year for the grand final. But I wouldn't have said that they were outstanding or like red hot favourites for the grand final. Uh, or throughout the year either, for that matter. And, yeah, I suppose it was symmetry that way, uh, that we didn't know who was going to win the grand final, even with, say, four minutes to go. Well, the commentator called that, whoever the idiot was. You know, we're right at the stage of the season, four minutes, six minutes ago, I think it was, and we still don't know who's going to win. And we didn't know until leaving the last 30 seconds because Brisbane, one goal there, and it was totally different. And Collingwood lost a grand final to West Coast a few years ago with a kick just at that point of time. Yep, they did. And uh, look, it was what we wanted. And uh, Brisbane players did their job. They, they really did stand up. Lockie Neal was probably not at the, same, at, at the level that we needed from him. Caden Coleman in that back line, you, they had him as favourite to win the Norm Smith. But if you look at how many kickouts he got, he had 26 disposals. But of those, 18 of them were kickouts. So, oh, I'm not sure. Uh, well, he, he had the kickouts. Yeah, um, I don't think he had them all game, though, did he? He had most of them, though. But he, he was good. He was really good for him. Chris was good. How about old man Pendlebury, though? I thought he was great, yes. And Bobby Hill, I think when he when he passed that ball to Pendlebury, that sealed the Norm Smith for him, no matter who won the game. 
I, I, I don't think if Brisbane had won, I think Bobby Hill still won the Norm Smith. I think Coleman might have got it had it, Brisbane had no. won. But anyway, interesting no, times. No, we'll I never know, will we? Because is there is then you know he kicked, he kicked four, taking the game on, and then did the team thing as well to give his captain a free goal there. That stuff just looks to the voters as check what this guy's doing. I'll ask I'll ask you this question. Uh, I asked Sydney. Did we see the golden market a year in the grand final? And if not, should we have a golden market a year for the finals, just like we do during the regular season? I think it should be allowed to be going to... If you can't do it from now, maybe it needs to go into next year. You know, maybe it still can be a qualifying one for next year. Yeah, so, I, I just don't it, think... It's very hard when teams get eliminated. Same, it's very hard to do best player. Someone that plays three or four games is obviously going to get more chances than the person well, that's that plays not one. necessarily true. The Gary Ayres medal was won by Sam Walsh, who didn't play in the grand final. Yeah, well, he obviously no, and, didn't see Degoe's game last week. Or I thought Degoe was terrific this week as well. It, it two was big good, goals, yeah. two awesome big goals. I felt he was good in moments. I felt that probably sort of him and Dunkley were playing wide of one another and even though like I said Dunkley probably didn't have his normal impact I thought he was pretty good oh, he was solid Dunkley yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. I thought look I thought on the matchup and, and this might sound bizarre even though and I'm taking the whole game into account I felt he had the better of Dugowie oh, even yeah. though Dugowie got the late goal uh, I felt he had the better of Dugowie all up yeah I didn't know I thought Dugowie was those I'm saying that Two big goals pushed him way out in front. What do you think, Jase? Yeah, I think the two goals definitely put Dugowie out in front there. You didn't notice Dunkley have impact. Like, he, he had a reasonable amount of the ball. Uh, where was his, was his touches there? Like, he had 21 touches, but 12 of them handballs, but only 300 metres gained. He just didn't have that influence that he had. So what did only four tackles. Like, Tommy Mitchell had 13 tackles. Tommy Mitchell, I reckon he was awesome. Absolutely awesome. I said that earlier. I reckon he was so great. So now that the grand finals weren't done, boys, I want to ask you, who was the, the trade pick-up of the year? Mitchell. It had to be Tom Mitchell, I think. I Going think on so what he did on grand final day is enough for me. Um, I'm good enough to accept that, although Bobby Hill was... Oh, well, you've got Bobby Hill as well. well. I mean, it, it's a, a great headache that they're both at Collingwood right now, isn't it? So... Collingwood people. Well, normally, like, normally what I'm trying world. to say is, Jason, is trade of the, the trade of the year normally wouldn't be twice over at a football club. We're right. usually only talking about one player. Yep, yeah, you're definitely right. Like Stengel last year at Geelong. And uh, another player that I thought had a good impact on the game and really stood up in some strong moments was our local boy, Steel Sidebottom. I thought he was great, yeah. That, big two, that goal, that was an awesome goal there in that last quarter. The way it come from the 50-metre penalty? No. Yes, yes. Was it a 50-metre Yeah, it was, yeah. 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 And it was a deserved 50. It was fine with that. It was no problem. I thought the umpiring was really good for the day. I, I Except think for, what was... were your thoughts on the advantage rule there at the end? Um, look, if you take it and you take off in a grand final, the, the ump is probably just going with the moment. It's too late for him to call it back anyway. You, you spoke about it last week, Bridges, about the fact that thing, it's that loud, it's, that, it's moving that quick, that the ump hasn't got time to go, oh, geez, I probably should have called that back. It's too when, late. When it's it happened. didn't go to the team's advantage, it was just a, a, a hat kick 
The handball came out. Went but to him, the intent of the, the the intent of the team is to try and gain territory, and that's what they were trying yeah. to do. And if that had been marked, would you have said it should be called back then? Bruce? Exactly. No, because so then it became it, an advantage. When so it, as had, it turned out, it wasn't an advantage. Yeah, they had a handball to a player who then chose to kick when they knew it was a free kick. But they wouldn't have the known. Hand. They wouldn't have time for that. If you look at it, it's a split second from when he's tripped. The handball's already on the way to... Who was the it? other guy's got to put his hand up. He receives the handball and puts his hand up and says yeah, no. Yeah, but he wouldn't have had time. He he got the ball hit him. He was being tackled and he slung it on the boot immediately. But the advantage law is about if a team indicates intent to continue play, and that's what they did. They 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 I went think forward. In the year that would have come back, though, Stat. Exactly. Yeah, well, the year it would have come back. But it, it's a grand final. It didn't though. cost them the grand final anyway. Because oh, I'm not sure. Well, oh, no. it was didn't. it the fifty meter mark there? Well, what about the Ollie Markov goal? I don't think that that you're saying it was right. I'm saying it was wrong. I don't think he should he should have been pulled fifty over that. Honestly. Yeah, but the umpire had already called stand. Once he's called stand, that's it. You can't move. So Brisbane had twenty three kicks to Collingwood's fourteen on the day. Uh, there you go. So twenty two free kicks Brisbane had. Yeah, Brisbane had the run of the free kicks, so you go. can't say it was a, a Melbourne-based umpiring thing. It was, uh, it was Brisbane always get the advantage the in umpiring. They yeah, win. you're right, 22 they to 16. Like, yeah. It was a six advantage. Yeah. They whinge like they, they don't get the advantage, but they generally are in front at the end of free kick accounts. Yeah. So, so the other bit, as I said, we said earlier, was the contested marks or the forward 50 marks. Brisbane took one in the first half, and that really was critical. Well, at the end of the day, you've got to look at the scoreboard. 12-18 to 13 goals, 8. That's 30 shots at goal to 21, and it's a four-point margin. Collingwood had the play. Yeah, I, I thought that was the game on the day. In our second game this week on Wednesday morning, it was muggy. It was really dodgy. We kicked five goals, 18 as a team. We won by about six goals or five goals, but we held them to almost nothing. But we just couldn't kick goals. No matter what happened, no matter who had a shot, it just went across the face and... The good part was that our midfielders and our defence just kept firing it back in. And that was what happened at Collingwood. Every time they missed, there was they locked the ball in. They did what was needed. And I'll look, I'll give them credit. Um, Collingwood won. They were the best team. It's hard to mistake. I can see Heather sitting there listening in now going, ha, 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 ha. But you guys, you guys did the job. And yep. that's all we can say and move on. And now I hope, hope it's different next year. I'll, I'll ask a general question. If you were given both sides to go forward with, what side would you take? Would you take the Brisbane list or the Collingwood list? I think I'd probably take the Brisbane list because you've got probably an average age of three or four years younger. The Brisbane list is Zucco that's old, but the rest of that list is all pretty reasonable in age. Collingwood have got a lot of their better players are on the wrong side of 30. Yeah, that is true. Going into the game, I would have tipped Brisbane... Paper, the only two things against that was that it, the, was that the MCG and the the crowd, and as it turned out, Brisbane didn't quite have enough. But there's a lot of experience they've gained out of a loss there. Can they come back again next year and do it and take one extra step? Well, look, the crowd isn't really a Collingwood crowd in a grand final. No, we were talking about that earlier. Yeah, it was a. Yeah. Oh, that's why the that's the the the. the there just wasn't the noise that you would expect. Preliminary final games are generally better. Preliminary final games are usually 
um, more relaxed. It, you know, that players play to their, their their freedom and their potential. Grand finals can squeeze them too hard, and they don't quite have that freedom of movement. Well, you said the loudest grand final, loudest bit game you've been to Bridges was the second St Kilda Collingwood grand final years ago when there was no corporate there. It was just pure fans. It was, it was fans there. It was an awesome crowd that day, except we got belted. Well, you can't have everything, Bridges. Oh, I would take the grand final the win. win then. <laughs> if, if my memory serves me, was it corporates for the first one and then they opened it up to the general public for the second one? Yeah, but the club's yeah. got um, 45,000 each in the second one. We could, you know, then so they really opened it up, and then it was so it was two teams, so it was really supporter base rather than corporate. And, and this one, they only get 15,000, don't they? Um, I think it might be 17, something like that, but yeah, it's not not, well, a, not enough, it's not a chunk, it's, it's not enough, and and that does affect you. Oh, I want to talk about um Gil's last legacy, probably one of the worst things he's done. The halftime show stats, was that the worst halftime show, almost even worse than Meatloaf? I've got to be honest with you, Jason. I was that wound up. I, I could not watch at halftime, and I didn't. I still, to this moment, and I said at the start of the show, I haven't seen it. Kiss were awesome. I thought they get a big tick. Yep. I'll have to view it. I can't. You have to. It was, it, it really, if that's what Australia's going to put up to the world and want us to, to TV view this and try and sell advertising, they are morons. It, look, the artists that they used are good artists. They're good Australian artists. But get some life into it. We were singing ballads and half going to sleep in the middle of a grand final. That's just not the way it is. Where you need action. You need life. You need, if you had a, dress, a, a coat out of America, you need a bit um, nice dressy, you know, nice ladies, bit of dress, bit of setup. Guys out there looking all dressed up as well, rather than just looking like guys coming from the pub. And that's why it just really was, it would be, we were watching it thinking, this is just disgraceful. Um, and that was the last thing Gil leaves on AFL, was he leaves that. But overall, he's got a pretty good legacy, let's face it. He'll probably go down as probably the CEO in a lot of ways that saved football during the COVID period. Oh, he will, but that doesn't change the fact that, that his last halftime show was a total disaster. Oh, and he, I, I and his he... last pre-match entertainment was totally brilliant. And yes, well, he got okay. So he got that one right. Yes, Kiss was great. But why wouldn't you? Wouldn't Kiss be your halftime show? If you're going to pay them all that money, wouldn't you bring him in at halftime? Oh, I think the beforehand is the bigger stage. Mm, yes, but the the, the halftimes when the crowd speaking of Gill, like I, I think his legacy is fantastic. I think he's been awesome at the job. The AFL, of course, he, he's not the one all and be all. There's the board, of course, who have their own. Uh, little mind games going on, but I think as as a general manager, I thought he was awesome. The way he speaks, the way he got, he was able to negotiate through difficult issues. I, I think it was great. Now the next question is, what do we think of Dylan? What's he going to be like? Okay, I'll I'll run a few I'll run a few scenarios, and you guys can go yes, no, and put a bit of colour in it. These are some of the things that AFL fans want to see under the new CEO, Andrew Dillon. The first one is, boys, and you can chime in on this, is the score review system. Well, let's go. Let's just go and buy, get um, some kids from the side of the road, hand them an iPhone, and they'll still do a better job than the current system. I don't know. I just don't understand how it hasn't improved any over the years. In fact, at times, I think it's worse. We seem to have less cameras in in. The right, for a start, let's put better quality cameras there, but let's put them in the right place. 
Why have we not got cameras on the posts? There is cameras on the post, but there's one camera. Why isn't there multiple cameras on the post that, that, that gives you angles from different, from above, from below? It's not that hard. Why aren't they proper high-speed cameras that can actually catch enough frames to, to get that? You know, we always look at it, and it's always in between a frame, especially when it's coming off a set of fingers. It's always in between a frame. There is a lot of work that's going. So, yeah, I agree. That's that one that Dylan has Well, let's to. toss it out completely and go back to proper umpire again. Well, what the camera has shown is the umpires get it wrong a hell of a lot of the time. So as much as we do love to have a human umpire, the cameras have shown a lot that the umpire's decision was wrong. While we're on umpiring, for umpiring, for umpires that we're seeing during the course of this year, did it work, boys? Would you like to see it reduced or would you like to see it stay at four? Stay at four. I, I think as four, the definitely. season wore on, it improved. Yeah. Early on, I thought there was a lot of teething issues, a lot of double calls, a lot of one call and free, one call and play on this type of thing. But as it yeah. came towards the finals, I think they started to get together. What? And I, I think the final series, bar the Brisbane game um, in Brisbane against Carlton, that one was a bit of an... I, I didn't think they were great that day. But the rest of the final series, I thought the umpire was pretty good. You hardly noticed them in the grand final. What I want to see from four umpires is I want to see more free kicks paid to guys in the forward line and the back line that are being held, that are being... That, that, that 150 metres off the play. I want... That's, if you've got four umpires out there that are supposed to be watching everything, someone needs to be watching what's not happening. What I want to see with them is when... Have someone's having a, a free kick, a shot at goal, anywhere on the field, one umpire on the side and one umpire behind to play with the kick that's having the kick. And as soon as he deviates, I want to call a play on instead of waiting four or five, six steps and then call and play on. Because you're making the guy stand on the mark, he's at a big disadvantage and stays at a disadvantage while the, the play with the ball is already well gone. I, I tell you, look, we'll, we'll use the tournament up here as an example. Now, in Masters, the stand rules is generally in place, but at the tournament up here, the stand rule's not in. So we can move back left and right again. Right. And it is so much easier to try and corral somebody when you can move that left and right. It just... It really, that stand rule, just it, it, that would love to see that disappear. It now, boys, really the bounce, the bounce, does it stay or go? Of course, we saw what happened first bounce at a grand final. What are your thoughts on it? Got to go. It has to stay. Love no. the I agree. I agree, you, Jason. Let's not overreact. Let it, let it stay. It, um, all year, at least three, five, ten times a game, it's pulled up. It's a disgrace. They, they cannot bounce it. They cannot well, how bounce about it. we modify it to once each quarter? Well, to start that the game. No, it actually makes it worse stats on the umpires. Because then they're not getting it. You're, you're not practice. loosened up. And that's why they're not bouncing as well now, because they don't bounce it enough. And they don't bounce around the grounds. Well, well okay. I, I would like to see it at least stay for the start of a match. I would. Well, then you have to have it's a... It's unique to our game. You don't see it anywhere else in the world. It fascinates the rest of the world when they watch our game. Well, Let's not lose it. Look, um, bouncing has historically been average. Look, you know, and, and it hasn't improved, and it's not going to get any better because they don't do it enough anymore. So reducing it makes it worse. Well, one of the things that we've spoken about a lot with the bounce, not so much the umpire bouncing it, but it's the, the knees up and the, the, the way that the actual bounce has been happened by the players. Now, they, they're using it up here in the tournament, but you can't run in at all. 
So here in the tournament, it's been a basketball, um, basically a basketball tap out almost. So the players are on either side of the line and they're stepping to each other and bumping and tapping. And it is gen- a genuine who is a tap ruckman, who's got the body work, no knees, no nothing. And the injury on the ruckman is reduced. Yes, but that also then forced you to go to someone's like Cox, seven foot whatever. Ah, but then if you do that, then what does Cox do? We're hitting the ground. Now, our ruckman that's there, he's not the tallest guy. But this minute that ball hits the ground, he's another midfielder. Um, so he's a Grundy. Yep, he's, he's a very Tim English type of ruckman. Owen Marshall, Tim English type, where he's, he's doing his best in the ruck, but, gee, give him the ball and let him run. <laughs> yeah. Okay, boys, the other thing in this survey for Andrew Dillon, should the 50-metre penalty go back to a 25-metre penalty? No. No. Yeah, I actually agree. I think 50 is fine, to be quite I, honest. At times, I wouldn't mind the ability, like on a, a stand rule, that could be 25. Are you happy with that, 25? I, I don't think 50. I think 50 for that's, that's a big penalty. That's complicated, though, doesn't it, Bridges? Oh, is, is Probably. But I, I think 50 is a fair... If we get a proper 50. If. So, real quickly, boys, no interchange cap, yes or no? No. Opposite. Go, reduce interchange cap. Round 50. I don't want to come to the bench. If I'm playing sport, I don't want to come to the bench. Send me, move me around. Send, it, send me to a pocket to, to rest. And bring, it down, bring it down to 50, like Bridget said. Cut another third out of it. You, you bring it down to 12 or so a quarter, and all of a sudden, you've got your superstars are on the ground more. They're not going to rest. They're going to be moved in position. You're going to have, by the end of the quarter, whoever the field got the pressure, pressure legs there, you're going to have red time goals go off. The game will move better if there was less interchanges. I agree, and uh, but what it will also do is it slows... The, I feel I want the game to go faster, faster. But what that's doing is that's creating more injuries, more impact when people hit because they're fitter. They're not, when they're on the ground longer, the game slows. As you've seen it even in the grand final, that last quarter, it was played differently because the players were run out of puff. I, I think it changes games for the better. You'll get more... For red, red red time goals, more of this type of thing. So reducing it, I think, helps. Now, the other thing coming out of this survey that fans would like to see to Andrew Dillon is the cost of footy entry, the cost of food and queues, both getting into the grounds and actually lining up for food. What are your thoughts on that? Well, due to morons with bombs, the getting into the ground is never going to get any quicker than it is now. Uh, that's probably going to slow down over time. So I think the AFL do well to get us in the ground as quick as they do. And, and we just can't complain about that. That's just part of life. Yeah, I've been to probably 10 or 12 games this year, and I didn't really... You've got in reasonably Well, quick, I you know. must admit it surprised me to say that there were queues at, at venues as well, because it didn't come up much during the year, yeah. like on Talkback Radio in Melbourne. But I was surprised in this survey that that was one of the items that fans have sort of put to Andrew Dillon to well, see, fix. I, I believe this is an AFL issue anyway. Why? Because they don't have twos anymore. They don't have a game beforehand. People are not, like, the game starts at two 2.30, right, so we don't need to get there till 20 past two. So Because we don't want to sit there like if, sail bottles of water. If you had an AFLW game beforehand, then 10,000 people or 15,000 people are already there. They're already drifted in. So you're, you're yeah. staggering the way people are wanting to come in. And I think that would be better. The One of the issues that AFL have or the people talk about with the women's football is the cost. 
it costs too much because, well, it probably does because they're sending them to the Witten Over or to St Kilda or, or Carlton. They're standalone games. You've still got all of the people to get them in the gate. You've still got all the food. You've got all the grand preparations. All of the, all, all of these things are standalone then. Whereas if you've got a senior one, game going on afterwards, half of those, the, the, the costs are shared. I, I think at the end of the day, the one that I'd like to see fixed is the price of food. The, the price of food inside the arena. Yeah, it's horrendous. Oh. It is just beyond ridiculous. Yeah, it, it, I don't want to pay $9 for a pie or $25 for a, a two pieces of chicken and chips or something like that. It's just that that's... I don't see it changing, though. I don't honestly. I don't think it will. And as a result, well, I'll keep bringing me packets of chips and me bag of lollies myself. And <laughs> well, I I try never to buy anything there. I I eat before I go to the ground. I make sure I have a meal somewhere before I go to the ground. And most I buy a beer. Okay, um, I'm, I'm except their beer cost. Their beer cost is not much different to a pub, so that's fine. And I actually left gear after the list, but now you mentioned it, people want heavy beer back, but that won't happen. Day well, games there, now you get cut the, draft heavy. Can you? The, yep. the, only in day games, Bridges. Yes. Only in all day games have heavy beer, and that's, again, we're back to people are idiots, and too many people do the wrong thing, so that gets everybody banned. That's not going to change. And the other one which really surprised me, some... Uh, people would like to see a mid-season draft and allow players to play on loan from other clubs. Thoughts on that, boys? I talked with, uh, this come up with uh, Mark, our Brisbane supporter, in a conversation during the week about the loan players. And he liked the idea. I said, Mark, if you, you've got a player and you loan him out, what if he comes back and does an ACL on a three-week loan and he's one of your young guys that was part of your future that you just weren't ready to use? You can't loan them. The oh. loan is, is just not on. It does happen. Like, it happens in NRL. Take the NRL grand final on the weekend. Well, you had one yeah, of the players... Which play, was a great grand final, wasn't it, was it by the way? Awesome grand final. Uh, but one of the Brisbane players, he played, I think it was for Newcastle. No, he played for the Warriors last year. They loaned him over to there. He came back. He gained the experience of being able to play. And there was good enough to get in their first grade. So and you, you know what I can't work. sort of get my head around with it as well is... Players were playing for Penrith in that grand final. They were already off to other clubs, other clubs next year. Yeah, I find that difficult, yes. It was a great yeah. grand final, by the way. Absolute ripper. Look, I thought Brisbane had it, and then um, Cleary and his own brought them back out of the death. That was, a, it was, that was a classic. That's the best grand final I think I've ever seen. The, the, tra- the, trade, the trade idea, look, you've got to look at it in a couple of different ways. One, we've got a, how long's the trade period now? That's three weeks. We, that yeah, something like that. Okay, so it's, it's far too short. At this stage... We haven't had our rookie draft. We haven't had anything. We don't know what injuries uh, are going to happen over the off-season. We don't know how players are pulling up. Like eight or nine St Kilda players went under the knife to get little bits done. How do they know how they're going to pull up or what they need to fix their list? So three weeks now is Plenty. simply not enough. It's just, it's just ridiculous. The trade period really should go all the way through the off-season. All the way through. You get to two weeks before the pre-season game, and you're full forward on your shoulder, you're out and you say, all right, what am I going to do? All right, it'll cost me a first-round draft pick, but maybe I can get Aaron Norton because he's not under contract or I can get a trade for this guy or I can get that. That allows clubs to use the collateral that they've got to fix gaps. The mid-season draft is an essential. It's, we do it in fantasy football all the time. Like, drafting's always there. But around that mid-season point, the teams that are pushing for lag 
they're looking to get one or two extra players just to really beef up and have the best crack to try and try and win. Those that have given up for the year, they're happy to sell an old guy and pick out, right, can I get another young kid? Yeah, he looks good. Maybe I can make him a footballer. So you've got buyers and sellers during the middle of the year. And I think that would be a very, very big trade period. I actually think that the, the, the problem is that clubs are not trading correctly when they have the opportunity. Yeah, take this, JW sent me this through the week. St Kilda's last draft picks. Paddy McCartan fail. Jack, number one. Jack Billings, number three, fail. Max King, number four, tick. Hunter Clark, number seven, fail. Nick Coffield, number eight, fail. Jay Gresham, number 18, fail. So it's, the clubs have to learn how to draft better. The Saints have been terrible at it over the years. And I, I think you, you, you going into the trade period thinking you're going to pick up a star, then, you know, it, it just doesn't happen very often. That's true. The clubs are not letting them go. So to rebuild your club through that has never been a successful... Geelong have done it. They picked up one here and one there, yes. And Hawthorne did it a few times and very well. But not to build a club. You're picking out eyes, one here, one there. You, you finish Collingwood off your club at that point. That's right. You, you finish off. Your, you've got an injury to a key position. You pick up a key position. You fill one gap here, one gap there. That's the, that, but that's the objective of that mid-season trade period. It's not to rebuild a list to go from the bottom to the top. It's to pick up one or two players that might just be the difference between being Brisbane or being Collingwood last weekend. Mm. So I don't, I don't mind, um, but I don't think loaning players is a great idea. No. All right, Jason, Notre-Dameus for us. Who is going to win the Brownlow next year in 2024? And who's going to be the grand finalist next year and even the winner? Oh, Jesus, that's your young... I'm not Dharma fan. I couldn't get it right this year. I picked Melbourne, I think, to win. I, I think I picked Brisbane, I think, so I was pretty close. I picked Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. I think I was Melbourne Look, at the start of the year. I, I think there's two that stand out to me at the moment that that's within the Brownlow next year. Uh, one of them, he's got two two runners up, and that's the Bont. I think he's he's still going to be right up there. The other one, I think he's going to vote extremely well. He's going to Goulden from Sydney. Yes. What about Welsh from Carlton? Yeah, but Gordon's a vote guy. What about Nick Dagos or Collingwood? He did vote in a lot of games that we expected him to vote in. He got ones and twos. So the Batman didn't get noticed. Yes, he had possessions. He had everything we saw on TV, but the umpires didn't see that. He still comes second and missed still, the last four games of the, the year. four games, yep, okay, but... Well, I've just going to be. He's only been in the system two years. Next I, year, I think Jason, he will be I better. think Jason makes a very good point, though. The position on the ground could work against you at times, even though you get a lot of possessions. I.e., being a half-back flanker to a midfielder. I think that the the Nick Dacos, Sinclair type guys, they do vote. Why? Because they break the lines and run and carry the ball. I, I don't think they're, they're not fitted in with the back line, the players that don't get votes. The, the yeah, running half the players do. They don't vote as good. Like, I look, if I look at who voted this year, I think voting is going to be a bit similar like next year. You mentioned the British, the four umpires, so it's hard for four umpires to agree on three individual players. There's no phones used, so there's no stats, there's no information used from it. They've got nothing there but what four umpires saw during the day to come up. I think it'll be similar with we'll anomalies like Lockie Neal's game where we, we, we deserve votes. We'll see anomalies like that. We'll see others where young blokes 
do vote well. So I, I think that the Gooden's one that could pop up there with it. But anyway, that's... What I'm about no, Jed Anderson, or, um, Anderson from the Suns? Nope. He was pretty good this year. Oh, no, Noah Anderson. Noah Anderson, yeah. Um, yeah, but most of the Suns, they'll screw that up somehow. And who knows what Dimmer's going to do with the list. So you, your crystal ball has got to be pretty good to figure out where they're at. He could get a completely different role next year and be not even in the voting at all. And, and just on the whack that Jason Welsh gave us last week, you and me, Sydney, about uh, the success up there in Queensland with Brisbane not winning a flag for two decades and the Gold Coast Suns never making the eight. But anyway, I suppose well, it's how you measure it. But Brisbane did win three grand finals. That was on the back of snitching half yeah. of Fitzroy. Yeah. yeah. I watched the one AFL. of those guys run around the other day. They had Ackermanis running around up here in the over 40s game and he kicked six and brought down footy and they beat poor old Australia 150 odd to zero in a 60 minute game of football. And I think we're being misquoted anyway, really, because you and me have both said there's always been fine to have one side up there in Queensland. It's We've just, always questioned having two. Yeah, it's just one on the Gold Coast. It's just honestly, never going to work. The guy they've got in charge of the sun now, if he can't make anything out of it, then, then that's, you just, it's not possible. So let him have a chance and then we'll crucify him at about, uh, what, 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 when was I burying boss this year? That's uh, when we're... Round that's eight when we'll and talk, nine. Yeah, right. But we'll talk about Jim and the Gold Coast Suns at about round eight or nine next year. My, my recommendation uh, to the AFL is to give him this year coming and the one after, and if he can't make the Suns go, then ship them off to Tassie and make it the Tassie Suns. It'll be too late by then. They would have already started drafting. No, they, well, uh, they, they can have their draft and then take the best of the Suns and combine that. AFL don't mind doing that. They proved it with Brisbane. As, as far as the Premier for next year stats, I, I think Brisbane is still going to be up there. I think you've... Uh, Cohen definitely will be still around, but I think I'm going to still stick with Brisbane. What about so. Carlton? Now, guys, I failed to look this up during the week. Do you know when the Gabba reconstruction's taking place for the Olympics? No, I don't. I think it starts at the... Uh, now, I think it's starting at the end of this. Would that, would that affect Brisbane in a way... I'm, I'm not sure where they're relocating to. I'm assuming they're going to have to relocate. I think they're going to their training ground. They've just built a new training ground for themselves. And apparently it's the, the bee's knees. And the ground's fantastic. So I think they're going to be moving the games to there. What I'm trying to get at more to the point is, are they going to lose a bit of a home ground advantage that way? They play well, the Gabba play, so well. If not on the Gabba, you're definitely not going to have home ground advantage, are you? Well, what I'm saying is, Jason, is they've got a new facility and that's all well and good and they train on it. But can they turn that into a fortress as well? Uh, look, they probably can because up here... the the, the 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 way the weather is it's not so much the ground that's the problem, it's the weather. It's just the fact that it, even when the teams go to Gold Coast, they still don't always play at the same level. We saw Collingwood and a few others really struggle up there against the Suns this year. It, it's more humid. It's, the sun's got a bite to it. The, the weather's different. They come from Melbourne where it's four degrees and near up the snow off the MCG, and they come up to here and it's it's still summer even though it's winter. It's I think the weather and the setup has a bit to do with it. So Brisbane still will have an advantage, but it just won't be as strong. See, I have a different theory on this. Let's go back a few years and take West Coast, for instance. Fortress over there. Nobody beat them over there. Why? Because they're a good team. Now that they're a crap team, they're losing over there. It's not so much 
home advantage. We only let's take Geelong for instance. This year they lost a few games down at the Cattery. Last year, the last few years, they've lost very few. One here, one there, maybe. The teams that are the best don't lose at home because they don't lose anywhere. You can't look at Geelong because Geelong only ever play the crappy teams that don't get a crowd there. Everybody else, they play at the MCG. So Geelong play Fremantle, they play... They play Giants down there who beat them this year. Freo down there who beat them there this year. That's what I mean. Normally, they were down a bit, but if you look over their their history of the last five years, they don't play Melbourne, they don't play Collingwood, they don't play Carlton, they don't play any of those teams at the, at the category. They play them all at the MCG. Yeah, but I'm just saying that the home teams, where they, you, they go on and they have a, it's a fortress mentality, it's because they're a good team to start with. So when you go to visit them, you play, you're going against the top team. And naturally you've got the travel on top of it, you know what it's like now, Jace travelling. Yep. It's much, you get there and you feel different, you feel a bit flat, um, you might go for a walk or whatever else, but then you run on the ground, you, you're sort of at, at, at ones and twos with yourself. We found all the pubs, we're good. <laughs> okay, Jason, we've got to be off at seven, so yep. thank you for your time this evening and good luck in your grand final tomorrow. Thank you, yep, we'll, we'll do our best now, we'll have a, a trade recap show following uh, next week, I believe, so we'll have one more crack for the three of us together. Uh, next Friday. Might be a trade kneecap show for some clubs. <laughs> well, we'll find out. Thank you for having me on, boys. Thank you, listeners. And we're under you Collingwood fans out there. You did well. Bad luck to Brisbane. Always next year. Yeah, that was brilliant. Congratulations, Jason, on making the grand final. Hope you win it tomorrow. Thanks. See ya. That was, of course, Jason Asplin. They're up there in Queensland, I do believe. Yes, on the and, uh, of course, Coast, Maroochydore. Yeah, right, place. and the big grand final tomorrow. I wonder if they're streaming it. Yes, they are. They are? Yes, you can get it, but it's on a particular... We should have asked him. He has hooked it up on my iPad. Um, but That's okay. What we might I'm do not is... The technical we'll go to We'll go to a sponsor's break. And because we've got to get the sponsors break done. And th- of course, we've got not forgetting Lillian Stone after seven o'clock this evening as well. So go to a sponsors break, come out the other side. We might have a little bit of look at some trade news ahead of next week, Sydney. Pat and Tina's BP service station, North Shepparton, has been serving people living in and visiting our region for now more than 50 years. There's no other place you can still experience driveway service delivered with a smile, the old-fashioned way. Supplier of BP Ultimate Fuels, they will wash your windows, check under your bonnet, and even do your tyres while you wait. Next time you're filling up, do it at Pat and Tina's BP service station. GV Highway, North Shepparton. One of them sponsor. Oh, it's a controversial rule, isn't it? Stand REM, what a great band they were, of course off the Alban Green from 1988 for that song Stand. They were great. They were from Athens, Sydney, but not Athens in Greece, Athens in Georgia. And I know you'd have that in your collection at home, of course, that particular Alban Green. <laughs> the Alban Green. Do you know how my big my, el- my home album is of music stats? Zero. I have no music, so. absolute no, no music. music, no love no. for Sydney Aspen. Plenty of love for Sydney, but no music in in there. Absolute doesn't interest me at all. Okay, trade news, Sydney, because we've got to be up oh, seven a... minutes or so. Yep. Firstly, it looks like now that he's not going anywhere. But Clayton Oliver, your thoughts on Clayton Oliver? Of course, they were calling it the uh, Clary Harry deal at one point. Uh, Harry Mackay and Clayton Oliver, of course, Harry Mackay at Carlton, Clayton Oliver at Melbourne might. Plays us, but it looks like CEO or Clayton Oliver isn't going anywhere. 
No. Well, the issue is in the background, and I, I haven't heard the gist of it, but from what I can gather, I think he's a bit of a party boy and doesn't want to toe the line. And the club has got its back up about that and said, listen, you've got to turn up for training at the, at the right time. You've got to come with a better attitude. And so far, he's one of these guys that turns up on the field and does the job, but in the background doesn't look like he's committed. And that's what the issue is about. Oh, gee, that's harsh. I think he's one of the premier midfielders of the competition. Ah, on the field, yes. But we're, we're not talking field work here. We're talking... Well, Sydney, it's my, it's been my experience. If you don't work hard off the field, it shows on it. So I, I reckon well, I reckon is, you judged him harshly there. But the, uh, it's not me judging. This is what the Melbourne. This is the Melbourne issue. Why have Melbourne been poked a stick at him? Why did they put Throve on the trade table? Because they want to shock him into the reality is you're a key footballer at our club and you must perform not only on the field but off the field as well. Yeah, interesting times. But, look, he'll stay now at What Melbourne would he have been worth? Well, I mean, he's actually, I think he's contracted to 2024 oh, as well. So No, he's got seven years ahead of him. Oh, right? that's right. You're right. Sorry, yeah, they, they, they just they signed a big, big deal. deal. So yeah, they whoever got him deal. would have had to taken that on at $1.3 million a yeah, year. Yeah, you're right. Yep. No, spot on. But what would you give to get him? Well, I should have said 2024 and beyond. Oh, yeah, he's up. I think it's 2029, I think he's booked till. Okay, Bodie Grundy looks like he's off to the Swans. James Jordan from Melbourne looks already like he's there. off to the Swans. Already there. Yeah, well, he could. I've, I've well, got done that this written morning, down, apparently. maybe already there. Done this morning, I believe. And uh, James Harms uh, could be gone from Melbourne, of course. Harms and Jordan are premiership players at the club. But well, they haven't sort of nominated – well, they haven't sort of speculated where Harms might end up. No, but again, one, a fringe player at best. So this is one of those that Premier I'm saying – play, though. Yes, I know, but he's been in and out of the team, and that's why he's looking for another place. It's hard to get into these big teams and hard to stay in them. This is a big one. Xavier Dervis, uh, uh, Dersma, beg your pardon, from Port Adelaide could be at Essendon. Next year, although they're talking a, a clean swap between him and Thatcher, yeah, Sir yes, Thatcher. they are. Yep, you're right. Uh, Dersma's been okay, but a, a bit hot and cold. But then again, I don't think Thatcher's the best backman running around either. He makes a few mistakes. Um, he he doesn't mark quite as well at times that he should or needs to. So it's probably a pretty fair trade. Now, I think they've already got Ben McKay from North Melbourne. Is that He's correct, He's on his Essendon? way to Essendon, yes. Jade Gresham from St Kilda. Uh, I believe he will end up at Essendon. Yep. Okay. Um, there's and, a bit of shenanigans going and on And Todd there. Goldstein, is he already at Essendon? He's going to Essendon as well. Yeah, he's nominated so, Essendon. Yep. And he's a, I think he's a free agent, so North will send him on his way with a clap. Been very busy in the trade period, haven't they, Essendon? They have. They have. Um Mackay is an interesting one, but I, I think their reasoning behind getting Mackay is pretty sound. They've got Redmond, they've got a few other really good backmen, but aren't big, key monsters. Mackay's yep. a marker, he's a cut-off marker, he's not great when he gets the ball and runs or whatever, he makes mistakes there, but that's what you've got the Redmonds and that around him for, so it could be a key pillar, isn't it? Now, Tay Adams, I don't know if you heard, but he's been linked to the Sydney, Sydney Swans. Swans, yeah, I doubt he'll leave Collingwood, will he? Required player at Collingwood, that's what they've said. I believe so, yeah. Like, he didn't miss the grand final because they didn't want him. No, because he, he was missed, injured. He missed, he was yep. injured. So he, he's not going to be grumpy with 
Collingwood because they they wouldn't wanted him to play, but he just and was ready to, but to give it another twinge, I think, through the week at training. Now, Sydney's been also active. Now, I don't know if you heard this. Now, he's staying at Western Bulldogs, but apparently the Sydney Swans put a, under his nose a 10-year deal to Aaron Norton to go to Sydney that would have been the biggest signed contract of all time in AFL history mm-hmm. at around $12 million. And I believe the Bulldogs counted it with a nine-year deal, a multi-million dollar deal there. So he's re-signed at the Dogs. He, he's, he looks like he'll be uh, one club player now. That's what, the, yep. That. Now, Joel Hamling uh, from Fremantle to Played, the Swans. He was a bo- Dogs grand final team player. Won the grand final, went over there, been injured on and off. Played three games only this year. And I think he's looking for someone new. That's a pretty good defence over there at Frio. Hard for him to get in. I think he would get better opportunities somewhere else. Well, like you said, he was at the Dogs. But he was at Geelong but didn't play a game between uh, 2012 and 2014. Fremantle as well. This will be his fourth club. Yes, yes. But he, he was quite solid. Uh, and like at his prime when he was at Bulldogs. He's now, I think, 29 or 30. I, I don't think there's a lot of people chasing him down. And Matt Flynn from GWS Ruckman looks like he's going to West Coast Eagles. Yeah, I think he'll end up there. West Coast do need some... Now, Nick Nat's retired, and I think they do need some more there. So Flynn's looking for the, the key role. He had the chance at Giants and then gave it up and lost the spot. So that's why he's going to move. Thank you, Sydney. Thanks for your time this evening. Great as always. We will dock you for being late, though, the last two weeks. Life happens. No worries. And thank you, listeners, for listening to the opening bounce. Hope you enjoyed Grand Final Day. Of course, next week we are doing a trade show, although it sounds like we just did about half of the trade show. Well, we might be able to confirm some of these. Pat and Tina's BP service station, North Shepparton, has been serving people living in and visiting our region for now more than 50 years. There's no other place you can still experience driveway service delivered with a smile the old-fashioned way. Supplier of BP Ultimate Fuels, they will wash your windows, check under your bonnet, and even do your tyres while you wait. Next time you're filling up, do it at Pat and Tina's BP service station. GV Highway, North Shepparton. 1FM sponsor. You've been listening to a 1FM podcast.